Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery, helping us and everyone that's involved in product do a better job creating products that our customers love. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Master Experience, the RPM Experience. This is the fastest way for product VPs and leaders to help their product managers and everyone else that's contributing to product to get on the same page with each other and to increase their performance. And it has some great side benefits of creating collaboration and more trust among people that work together as well. It's really not like any other training you've seen. It is an experience that we go through together in virtual sessions. If you want to find out more and see if it might be a fit for your organization to improve product performance there, Simply go to productmasterynow.com slash RPM. Now, today we're talking about product ops and what product ops is, right? If you need it and how to go about getting it, if it is something that you need. And I'll give you a little background later maybe about why this has come up as a topic for me recently. Joining us is Steve Johnson. He is a returning guest and so glad to have him with us. He's an author, speaker, and product coach. His market and technical savvy allowed his career to develop from product manager to chief marketing officer. And Steve is also the author of Turn Ideas Into Products and the co-creator of the popular Quartz Open Framework for Product Managers. Before co-founding Product Growth Leaders, his product management consulting company, he was a pragmatic marketing lead instructor for over 15 years. And now he empowers product teams with training and coaching that removes the chaos from product strategy and planning. And as always, listeners, if you want a written summary of anything we talk about, including that one-page action guide that we put the key takeaways for you, along with some discussion questions. It's a great guide for you to use with other product people that you work with to get everyone skilled up, in, so to speak. Simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 434, and you'll find those resources for you. Steve, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here again. I always enjoy talking with you. Likewise, you have deep experience, and we're glad to have you sharing that with the listeners and help them out as well. This product ops thing has come up actually this week in a couple different ways with people. And one, there's a private community that goes along with this podcast. Anyone that wants to know about that, just go to productmasterynow.com slash community and you can see what's going on there. One of the people has a group of, I think he said 48 product managers. And it's an organization, which is a pretty big size, a big, group. <laughs> a big group for that many product managers in an organization. And he's been brought in for product ops and trying to, in some sense, I think of this as like a project management office, what a PMO does for project managers, trying to get everyone on the same page and so to speak, and helping them, the product managers, create resources for the executive team and help everyone move together and skill everyone up. I think there's different interpretations of this, and I want your opinion of what product ops does. And you're right. I've actually been talking about product ops for quite a while. Imagine onboarding at a place that has 48 product managers, and everyone that you talk to says, oh, this is what I do. And I remember vividly years ago, I was on a phone conference, and somebody said, what is the best practice in doing a thing? I forget what it was. And three people said, here's what I do. Wait, here's what I do is not a best practice. It's just what you do, right? If all three of them said, this is the way we do it here, or the research tells us that the, we should do it this way, then that's a best practice. And in fact, just to derail your entire conversation, I don't actually believe in best practices. I think there are a lot of really good common practices what makes them best is when you can adapt them to the realities of your organization. So in the example you gave earlier, 48 product managers, I guarantee you they've got 47 versions of the roadmap. 
Yep. Right. They have 47 ways of prioritizing. They have 47. And I'm just I'm assuming one person copies somebody else in that 47. But basically, product ops is product management for product management. Looking at yep. the friction of doing the job of product management in this organization, how do we standardize it so that we're all using the same artifacts, the same methodologies, and the conversations that we have are grounded in the same sort of research. So I look at product ops in particular as having five capabilities or five responsibilities. There we go. Getting clarity on roles and responsibilities. It's amazing to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me do a, another quick aside. I was doing a roles and responsibilities workshop and some, we were talking about win-loss analysis, which by the way, is like the gold, the greatest technique for product marketing to figure out what is and is not working, right? So anyway, I make this point and I'm waiting for them to say, I want product marketing to own win-loss analysis. And just for people listening in, sales is always the wrong answer. But anyway... And one of the managers said, I think it should be product, product management. And I said, really, why do you say that? And he said, because Bill is really good at it. Okay. Bill's my product manager, right? We've got a person that can do it. Right. But then we need to move him into product marketing because what you learn most from win-loss analysis is where your product marketing has failed. But anyway, uh, standardizing roles and responsibilities so that everybody has clarity on their roles. And when I've done roles and responsibilities workshops, two people are always there, which I think is delightful. Usually I always have a product ops person there. And usually I have somebody from HR because they don't understand these distinctions either. So let's document roles and responsibilities. Let's standardize our methodologies and artifacts. I have a prioritization method that I think you will like the name of. My method is called IDEA. I do like that because I, I teach the would. IDEA framework. Indeed. Yes. And so because of that, I've actually changed a little bit to ideas with an S on the end. But anyway... I have this method. And there's lots of methods, right? There's way to smallest shop first. There's Bryce. There's Rice. There's Kanban. No, that's not a method. There's Kano. There are lots of methods. And I don't really care which one you use as long as we're all using the same method. Right. It's really right? nice to know what's in our toolbox that everyone understands and can say, I think it'd be useful to apply Kano at this point or Scamper or whatever we're doing, right? Exactly. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, I think you're right. Or, nah, why don't we use this other one? We all, we're so far ahead of the discussion already. Indeed. And think about onboarding. So my, my daughter is a product manager and she had a job where she showed up and they said, who are you again? They had no idea she was coming. Her onboarding was, why don't you see if you can find one of the desks over there and we'll see who you work for. And it was pretty deplorable. And then her next job, she had a delightful onboarding experience. So hallelujah. But the point is a lot of onboarding for product managers is, hey, go be do a product management job. There, there's nothing about where to find corporate data, where to find product data, what systems to log on to. One of the trainings I did recently, one of the people said, I understand what you guys are talking about, but I just log on to Salesforce and I go look at this and this. And everybody in the room was silent. And I went, what is going on here? And they said, how did you get access to Salesforce? Right. And the guy said, oh, yeah, I used to be a sales engineer and I've still got my log on. And another guy said, oh, I find a lot of really good information in the in supports trouble ticketing system. 
And everybody's silent. They're like, how do you have access to that? I used to be in the support organization. I still have my login. So standardizing not only our methods and our artifacts, but access to data and further, and one, and a couple more here, guiding and curating market and customer research. So often it's like we have 48 product managers and they all want to want talk to the CTO of JP Morgan Chase. And it's like, we can't really bring a school bus up in front of JP Morgan Chase and have everybody run out to interview people. So we have to have some way of coordinating that kind of activity. And then the other thing that is kind of new over the last few years, it's been delightful to see some of the wonderful product management tools that are now available, like Product Plan or ProdPad. I think RoadMonk is in there, probably AHA. But I don't want everybody using their own with a single login. And the thing about product ops is it's almost exactly the same thing as development ops, DevOps. I don't want everybody running their own JIRA instance on their local computer, right? I want all of that stuff coordinated, right? And just the same value that development gets from DevOps, product management gets from product ops. And one more little phrase that I like. I believe that product management's primary job is to scale our product business. It's not writing JIRA tickets and it's not reading aloud to development and some of the nonsense that we do. It's about scaling our product business and product ops is about scaling product management. Okay. I'm taking notes as we go because these are good <laughs> taglines right here, right? You know, retweets. Product management's job is about scaling the business and product ops is about scaling product management. Correct. Right? Okay. Correct. Very good. Well done. Yeah, and thanks for sharing the, the kind of responsibilities of product ops. Lots of this is sta standardizing how we do our work in product. And as you were talking through that, I was thinking that I had a somewhat recent interview with someone who had been at Facebook as a launch manager, right? So how do we launch products here? And so he was on a project that they were in a different role in launching project. And the person had this huge spreadsheet I don't know if it was a Google Sheet or Excel. Who knows? A launch huge, checklist of 172 yes, of rows. All these things to do. Okay, this is how we launch projects. And then we go to the next project and completely different method for how we launch products. Mm -hmm. And this is mm -hmm. in a large established organization that doesn't have a standard way of making sense of some of this. True. Any one of those individual things might work. And we might say, well, we want to give the creativity and the freedom for people to come up with their best way of doing it. But we're making it so hard on everyone else that is involved to learn the new way on every project right. that we go to, right? right? And we're probably totally. missing some collective lessons learned because if we have a tool and we go, man, this is such a pain in the neck. Why is there so much tension, so much friction in using this mm -hmm. part of the, our tool here? What can we do about fixing that, right? You have more than one set of eyes and things evolve so much faster because you've said, this is how we do things and let's make it better every time, right? I don't know if you've had this experience. I'm, I actually, I'm sure you have. In, in the work that I do, I mostly work with teams rather than individuals. And what I find is this is the first time they've ever gotten together to talk about how we do product management here. 
Mm. It's like you talk mm. about personas and somebody goes, oh, I've heard of that, but I thought that was a UX thing. And somebody else says, no, I think it's more of a marketing thing. And I'm like, no, it really is a product management thing. And then I make everyone angry by saying that product management either creates them or approves them. And so UX is freaking out. And so is marketing. But if product management is scaling the business, we need to be pretty clear on who we're building products for. Right. right. But anyway, uh, I've seen I've had so many cases where people say, Hey, Steve, do you have a good persona document or do you have a checklist? Do you have a launch plan? And it'd be nice if companies got together and said, let's, I'm sorry, Eric, I remember some time ago, I called a friend and he's let me send you my set of templates and somebody else says, oh, I've got a set of templates too. And it's somebody making rational sense out of all of these templates. And frankly, you don't need 300 of them. Right. Right. You need 10 or 12. And I think that's the other part is with if you've got everybody doing their own thing, you end up with two problems. One is it's an overwhelming number of things to keep track of. And everything we produce looks like it came from a different company. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to go present our roadmap to the leadership team and I'm going to use my Excel chart. And then you come along and you say, I'm going to show my roadmap to the leadership team and I'm going to use my PowerPoint slide. And everybody who goes in front of the team is showing something entirely different. And the leadership team is it's taken me like five minutes to figure out what it is I'm looking at because everything I see from product management is different. Yeah, certainly the leadership team very much appreciates that. They have an interview coming up with a company that they're yet another road mapping company, right? As I met the CEO at a conference and was talking about this, how are you positioned differently of these other road mapping companies, right? We solve the problem of how to present to executives. How do we help executives understand what we're doing now, what we're responding to in our customer base and how that lines up with our business strategy that you've communicated? Okay, you're always presenting a standard way of communicating what product is up to the executives. That made sense to Mm me. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, you've seen friction in this as well, right? So one thing that DevOps would be, someone DevOps would be appealing to then is the executive team that might be saying, we need to get our hands around some standard ways of sharing information. Mm -hmm. How does an org know when they need product ops? I'm sure we can identify some of the things going on, but maybe at what point, what scale, what are some indicators for us to be thinking about this? As a consultant, I should say it depends or you'll have to decide, but I think the answer is four product managers, but it's certainly- I like specificity. 48, right? Um, <laughs> right? Something less than 48. So in my first job in product management, I was one of two. There was the other guy and there was me. And we could coordinate very well. We made sure that our user experiences seemed similar. And I would show him my roadmap format. And he said, oh, I like yours is better than mine. And he would start using it. And then he'd show me his business canvas. And I'd say, oh, I like that better than mine because mine's a Word doc and I'd use it. So we were product opsing one another, just the two of us. But when you get to four, you start seeing deviation. And actually, as I'm talking this through, I was working at a company not too long ago. Anyway, I was working at a company and there were three product managers and one of them was rogue. There were two that were really very much in sync. And then the third one was just doing everything differently because after all, I'm the product manager. I'm the CEO of the product. I can do whatever I want. And my understanding is he didn't last very long, but I think it's, I think it's four. It might be three, but I think it's four. 
That's when you need product ops. Yeah. So start thinking about it at three and have it in place for four. Yeah, I should have looked this up. I don't know what number of developers it takes before you can warrant a DevOps function, but I bet it's somewhere around four. (laughs) Yeah, because if we're thinking of a product manager is helping out a product team, and organizations sometimes have a product manager focused on the product team, depending on the pace of work or maybe on more than one project at a time. But if that's a six to eight sort of developers per team, mm-hmm. then we kind of start thinking about what scale we're at for an organization. Right. So if you've got three product managers, therefore you've probably got 24 to 30 developers and consistency starts becoming important really quickly. And you were talking about as you get product managers together, the sort of things that come up. The sponsor of the podcast, I mentioned the RPM experience. When I'm in talking to product managers as a group and trying to just help upskill them, it's amazing how like every time somewhere in the middle of this conversation, someone will turn around and look at everyone else and go, we never talk with each other this way, right? Right. This is just such a new experience. We never talk to each other about how we do work as a product manager. Absolutely. You know what we do? We get together. We get together for other people. Right. The only time you'll ever see two product managers are in the room is when you're planning a sales meeting or a trade show. We need a couple of product managers because you guys know stuff. And, and yet they're not talking to each other. Right. They're right. representing their product. Right. And you're absolutely right. It's wonderful to encounter this cross cross product management discussion of how do you do it? How do I do it? Oh, that's a really good technique. And I hope you do. I allocate a lot of time for them to talk to one another with right. with me not saying, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. Let me show you my template. Right. right. Let them socialize it because it's like a support group. Right. Nobody understands. Yeah, my wife won't talk to me about this stuff. It's really right? beneficial. Right? We, it we, is. we need these interactions for sure. And for people who are product leaders listening in, I would encourage you strongly to have monthly get-togethers on Zoom. And maybe there's a little trivia contest and maybe there's a little getting to know you. Take a topic. I was working with a team a while back um, and somebody asked me a question about conjoint analysis. And for me, conjoint analysis is like recursive sort. I just don't understand it. And recursive sort is how I dropped out of computer science class. And anyway... And I was all prepared to say, sorry, let's read the Wikipedia article together. And somebody said, oh, I've got some experience with that. And I said, hey, take the floor, take 10 minutes. And he did a tremendous job of explaining not only what it meant theoretically, but how we could do it here at our company. Right. And they made that a monthly thing. Every month, one product manager would present something. Here's how I recommend we do roadmaps or here's how I recommend we do prioritization. And they they looked at 72 different ways and they narrowed it down to these two. And then they had a discussion. And I think it's super important for product leaders and product ops organizations to host these. How do we do things here? Conversations frequently. Yeah. And that's exactly where the action guide that we make for each of these podcasts now, we've been doing this probably for the last two years, where that came from was I discovered that there were some teams using the podcast for those sort of meetings. Oh, smart. They would say, hey, everyone, here's an episode that's important for the work that we're doing. Let's get together and talk about that. And I went, oh, that's fantastic. You know, that is fantastic. Let's make a one page guide to help you have that meeting and talk about what do we have in place already 
to help us be successful in this area? What can we do that's different? So good for you. Good for them. Yeah, thank you. Take us on the steps. So let's say we're at the three product managers. We're recognizing that having some standard practice in place would be helpful. And we're going to be growing. We're going to be adding that fourth product manager soon. We're starting, it seems to deviation about what's going on. How do we start putting in place a product ops capability? Well, if you've got three or four product managers, it feels to me as if a product ops role would be would be a part-time thing. In, in a, in, yeah, it's probably until, not until you get to seven or eight or 10 that you want to hire somebody full-time. But what you really want to do is follow an idea from idea to market and say, what, are the, what is best for our company here? Can we do a one-page business case or do we have to do a 72-page treatment, right? Mm -hmm. Can we do a now, next, later roadmap or do we do something else, right? And at each step, it's you know what it is? It's very much like mapping the buying journey for our product, except we're mapping the idea all the way to market. So... What do we do at this step? And what do we do at this step? And what I recommend to people is the Quartz Open Framework, which I worked on with a number of consultants and practitioners into effectively six steps. You go from idea to market involves these six steps, and I won't go into them. But at each step, it's like, all right, what are the artifacts and ceremonies here? What are the artifacts and ceremonies there? And so the Quartz Open Framework can provide you that structure. So you don't have to go all the way back to, oh, I know there's a light bulb here and there's a dollar sign at the other end. What goes in the middle? And one of the things that is, I think, brilliant about the Quartz Open Framework is that learning occurs at every step, not just at the beginning and the end. And I think as an industry, we are still not very good at learning, particularly for discovery without a sales objective and not really very good at validation. But nonetheless, it's basically defining the critical deliverables and the critical connections. I think one of the challenges that a lot of products, product ops projects run into is they try to make a company-wide holistic process. And I think you... I recommend that you limit it to what is product manager doing here and what and who is the product manager doing it with? And I wrote an article a while back. Uh, I'll send you the link. I think that what's key is to recognize that products are built by teams, not by individuals. And so we need to be really clear on what artifacts I'm going to create and how I'm going to hand them to you and how we're going to collaborate on it and what you're going to do with it. So I don't like the phrase handoff, right. which implies I throw it over the wall. And yet I ran track in high school and I wasn't on the, on, on a relay team. I basically just ran and practicing for me was pretty easy. I woke up before breakfast and I went across the street to the junior high track and I ran. That was practice for me because I ran by myself and I didn't even have to do hurdles. Right. But relay is different. They say, yeah, you do have to get up before breakfast and you do have to go run. Well, what you do at practice during school time is you practice handoffs. And what's interesting about handoffs is the two runners run side by side for a pretty long period of time. And they're really explicit about the handoff. First of all, they slap the baton into your hand. 
and they also shout baton. And then everybody's, oh, all the communication has taken place. You can go forward now. Um, you very rarely see somebody drop a baton now in a relay. And I think that's, I really like that metaphor as opposed to throwing it over the wall. But anyway, right. it's that. It's, oh, one more. I was working with a team and the product man, and the developer said to me, product managers write terrible stories. And I went, okay. And I went to the product management and I said, what's going on here? And they're like, ugh, they want all these details. And I looked at the stories and I realized that both teams were wrong. Now, so, or said differently, they were both right. The product managers were writing terrible stories and the developers were expecting specs. And the last thing I would want to do as a developer or an engineer is have somebody tell me how to do something. It still drives me insane. But nonetheless, what I did is I brought the two teams together and said, we're not leaving the room until you guys can agree on a story. So let's take this one off of JIRA and we're going to work on it until you guys agree in the level of precision. And the first guy said, I want to know if the button should be 150 pixels or 125 pixels. And I'm like, your call. We don't care. Move on right? I'm not going to give you a spec. I expect you to use your judgment. And it was, it, but it's, but my point is that's the handing off of the baton, right? Right. It's something you practice. It's not something that you just throw over the wall. So anyway, look at, t take the idea like it was an object from idea all the way to market and say, you know, what, where do we co coordinate with UX and development and marketing and product marketing and sales? And how do we have that communication? And then write it down and you're, and you know, you've got a playbook and you've got an onboarding guide. What about involving senior leadership in this too? Because if I was involved in saying, okay, I'm one of the product managers. There's a few of us here. It seems like there's some inefficiencies starting to arise and we could really benefit by standardizing some of our work. I'd probably be going looking for a senior sponsor to be aware that this effort is going on and maybe talk about some things we're doing and maybe in the future we'll want to hire a product ops person, start paving that way some and thinking about who, who might be sponsoring this effort. That's very smart. I have found in my career that if somebody on the leadership team is not supporting your project, it will ultimately fail, right? I mean, you can push it up, the, you can do the work, but you've got to have support. Said, in particular, I'm thinking of roles and responsibilities. I, I don't think most executives have any concept of the scope of roles and responsibilities. And I certainly don't want the VP of sales telling me what product management ought to be doing because I'm not interested in product management reading aloud to salespeople from SharePoint or going on sales calls or following up with that customer, right? There's a number of things. I think one of the biggest issues in product management is the laundry list of things that other departments think we ought to be doing. So I think definitely having a product management savvy senior leader involved in this is critical. But I will go, go I, I will agree with your second point in a different way. Let's do product management on this. Let's go interview the stakeholders and see where their baggage is. Where's their friction? And it's good product management. And it's the same recommendation I make with looking for a job. What are your, instead of talking about your features, talk about the customer, the buyer, the hiring manager, what problems are they trying to solve and how are you qualified to solve them? 
So in every aspect of my life, I find a product management parallel is my early point. But yeah, I think you interview the VP of sales and the VP of marketing, the VP of support and the VP of services and the VP of talent and the VP of whatever else you've got and say, you know, what can we do better to serve uh, you guys in our roles here as product management? And I think if people do nothing but hopefully do more, but nothing but get other product managers together and start talking about how we work. Simple things come up out of that. Oh, here's the data source I used to find that out. And others didn't even know that existed. And right. just start having regular conversations with other product managers in the organization is a huge step forward. I definitely agree. And as listeners know, we like innovation quotes. And I know you have some innovation quotes. And probably the challenge is figuring out which one might be the best to share at the moment. But what do you have for us? I guess I'll say I am certainly well known for the quote, our opinions, while interesting, are irrelevant. And I think it ties nicely to what we just talked about. Instead of product ops or product manager saying, this is what I think people ought to want. Let's better understand what facts and ceremonies we need to in order to standardize on in order to engage with the various stakeholders that we work with. And a parallel to that in my head is nothing seems hard to the people who don't have to do it. It's funny. It's how hard would it be to come up with a product playbook? You'd be surprised, right? Right. And salespeople say, oh, how hard would it be? You, it's just a button. It's just a report. It's just, a, it's just code, right? You can get open AI to do it for you now, right? And likewise, developers and many product managers go, selling doesn't look that hard to me, right? You just buy lunch and offer discounts. It turns out there's more to it than that. And (laughs) yeah, and I didn't even play golf well when I was in sales. So here's my, so here's my new favorite. Okay. And this, I think ties nicely to everything else. Uh, Woody Guthrie, who was a famous folk singer back in the day said, when I decide just exactly who the song is going to help out, I can really scribble her down in a hurry. And I think that's the point of product ops. Who is it we're trying to help? We're trying to make product managers more productive. We're trying to make stakeholders more satisfied with their interactions with product management. And once you get there, you can really scribble or down in a hurry. (laughs) Good phrase, scribble, scribble or down. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks for bringing the quotes for us. You over delivered on on, (laughs) on quotes again. All good truths in those points to help us remember as well. We mentioned the Quartz Open Framework along the way. I want to make sure people know how to find mm-hmm. that. And likewise, how can people find out about the work that you're doing and resources you have for them? I blog every week on my website at productgrowthleaders.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at sjohnson717. And if you're new to product management, you can read my book, Turn Ideas into Products, available on my website and on Amazon. It's a good primer for product managers and for teams guiding a product ops implementation. Excellent. So I will make sure there are links to all those resources in the show notes, but uh, productgrowthleaders.com. Correct. Correct. Main site. And we'll find you on LinkedIn. Where is the Quartz Open Framework? At quartzopen.com. On Quartz Open, you'll also find a bunch of ready-to-use templates. So if you are in a product ops scenario right now and you're like, what's a good product canvas or what's a good positioning document or what's a good launch canvas? There's a, there are many free templates available on quartzopen.com in exchange for your email address. 
Pretty simple. That's a really good resource because people are often looking for a good model, a good template. Okay, Steve, once again, thanks for joining us and helping us think through product ops. Glad to be here. Invite me again real soon. We can do that. And listeners, as a reminder, if you want a written summary of what we talked about, including that one-page action guide to use maybe with other product managers to help you learn more about how you do work together and could do work together, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 434. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.